one of the questions that I, I've, I get asked a lot, um, and I don't know about you, uh, sometimes I think it's kind of this cliche-ish kind of thing is, so how's your Christian walk? You know, how's your Christian walk? And we, we as Christians kind of do this, oh, it's really good, or oh, I, I really suck at this, or I really suck at that. And, and so I, I wrestle, I, and this week it really forced me as we look at Galatians chapter 5, um, so you can jump ahead to that if you want to get there. Um, what, does, what does the Christian walk really mean? What, what does it mean to, uh, be, um, to be led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit? To, um, what, what does that look like? The, the daily Christian walk, the day in, the day out, the mornings, the evenings, the afternoons, uh, our, our times of difficulty, our times of joy. What does it mean to really um, have a Christian walk? To walk Christianly. Um, and what, what does that look at? Does it look any different than how um, just a person who comes to church? And they, they, you know, they do their time. Maybe they'll even put stuff in the offering plate. and Maybe they'll volunteer. Does it look any different than just somebody who does something good. Is the Christian walk to be walking by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, does it look any different than um, just a good moral person? So this morning we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16 and going through 26. Page 975, if you uh, got yourself a pew Bible. Listen to the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 25. Verse 25 is going to be our focal point. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also walk by the Spirit. It sounds like they're kind of the same things, doesn't it? If we live by the Spirit, well, then walk by the Spirit. 
the Apostle Paul was very quickly uh, wants us to understand that there's, there's a difference between living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit is talking about, you know what, there was a moment in your life where the Holy Spirit came and changed you. As the gospel, as you heard the gospel, your ears heard it, your heart was changed, your mind was transformed, the power of the Holy Spirit collided with you, and what happened? You became alive. You became alive. You were changed. You were no longer uh, in the darkness. You were in the light. You were no longer uh, an object of God's wrath. You were one of His children. So you became alive in the Spirit. You are no longer dead in your trespasses, no longer considered an object of wrath. God views you through the lenses of Jesus Christ and goes, Ah, my child, this child is justified, made right before God. So we were made alive in the Spirit. We were made alive. We came to life. And I think a lot of us, if we remember, it's like, oh, yes. I remember that moment. Some of us, it's a little bit more like, do I remember when I understood the color blue? Some of us kind of have grown up in the faith and go, I have always known about Jesus. I grew up in a Christian family where I was taught, I was discipled. But still there's this moment of, Jesus is mine. And I am His, and He owns me. That's the moment of, coming alive in the Spirit. But Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, if we're made alive by the Spirit, we are also to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. We see it in verse 16. The first thing Paul says in this section is, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In verse 16 and 25, there are two different uh, Greek words that are used for this walk. The first one is kind of this, it's the peripateo. It's the, the word where as you walk around, as you are doing life, walk by the Spirit. It's a, a general term of how Paul describes the, the Christian walk. You are as you are living life, walk by the Spirit. But here in, in verse 25, it's different. It has this, this idea of as you are following after Christ, live. As you are made alive, as you are following after, walk. So there's this idea of being led, of following closely after Jesus Christ. So the question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? How do we walk by the Spirit? In verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit and don't gratify the desires of the flesh. So here we see the opposite of walking by the Spirit is giving into the desires of the flesh. Now the desires of the flesh, what is that? The flesh is our old, ordinary way of life where we don't relish and enjoy the things of God, but we enjoy the things of this world. How many people, if you're honest, say, man, there's still some of that in me, where I really enjoy the desires of the flesh. There's those 
moments, maybe days and weeks, where I really slip into the flesh again. Where I just, I just enjoy all the sensuality that the world gives me. My mind is always there. What can I have? What can I absorb? What can I have for me? It's all about me, my flesh, me, me, me. And Paul says, listen, that, that's not what the Christian life is about. The flesh is about our, our independence, our power, our desire, our prestige. It's about our worldly pleasures. But the Christian walk, walking by the Spirit, is totally the opposite. Walking by the Spirit, we are not controlled by those desires. What verse 17 means is the flesh produces one kind of desires, but the Spirit produces a whole different other kind of desires. And they are opposed to each other. They're opposed. They're two different things that are constantly fighting against each other. The desires of your flesh, your wants for power, control, and prestige and notoriety. Ah, oh, that's the power. Is constantly fighting against the works of the Spirit. And I want you to think in your, just this past week, those moments where you have felt maybe that tension, that fighting, and maybe you're totally unaware of that tension, they're, how they're opposing. Because maybe you've been living more in the flesh than in the Spirit. Or maybe it's the opposite. You are just so into the Spirit. You're, you do, every once in a while, you, oh yeah, I kind of feel the, the pull. But I'd say for, on the whole, most of us struggle with the flesh. We really do. The last thing on our mind is living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit. So here's just a a real quick definition of what is walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is what we do when the desires produced by the Spirit are stronger than the desires produced by the flesh. When we are walking by the Spirit, more often than not, there is this, the Spirit's fruit, the Spirit's work is just more overpowering than the work of the flesh. We can say, man, if, if I would keep a tally mark, I, I, I sense that the Spirit is just leading me and guiding me and uh, teaching me and all these things more than my desires for control and independence and power. This means that walking by the Spirit is not something we do in order to get the Spirit's help, but rather, this this phrase implies that it is something that we do by the Spirit's enabling. We are walking by the Spirit. We are led by by the Spirit. We're walk, living by the Spirit. The Spirit, we, we don't lead the Spirit through life. 
The Spirit leads us and guides us. And we, we walk by the Spirit. So ultimately, all of our good inclinations, all of our, our preferences, all of our desires are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Spirit, we, we can do no good thing. Okay, but some of you are going, hold on a second. Let, let's look at all the things that the world, there are some great charities. There are some great people out there. There are, there are organizations that are doing some wonderful things out there. What about all those things? If those organizations are not led by the Spirit, they are just acts of the flesh. Wear pink ribbon. You know what? We, we should care about cancer, shouldn't we? We should strive for that. But apart from God, it is just another act. If we desire to bring people to Christ through cancer research, through caring for people who struggle with that, Man, that's a whole different world. But if it's just about raising money for a cure, it's empty. It is empty. Therefore, walking by the Spirit is something that the Spirit enables and is doing by producing in us some strong, strong desires that are according to God's will. When we look at what God does in our life. God is the one who is enabling all these things. Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. God is saying in this, this Old Testament section, Book of Prophecy, that I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove a, a heart of stone from your, your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk by my statutes, to be careful, to obey my rules. God is doing something in our hearts when we're led by the Spirit. He takes out our heart of, heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh that beats for His heart. That is, and His Spirit is put into our lives. And what happens? It causes us to walk in His statutes and obey Him. When the Spirit comes into our life, something happens. Something transformative. The Holy Spirit produces in us desires for God's God's way that are stronger than our flesh and our desires. And therefore, He causes us to walk in God's statues. Being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, stresses the Spirit's uh, enablement and His initiative in our life. And walking in the Spirit stresses our resulting behavior. The Spirit leads us by creating desires to obey God. 
And we're walking by fulfilling those desires. Now, when I said that the Spirit leads us by creating desires to obey God, think about that. There are books upon books upon books. And this is not my tithing uh, little vignette. But our money is a very precious thing, isn't it? Jesus in his Gospels talked about money more than any other topic. He used it for illustrations. He used it in his parables. Because he knew it really got to the heart. Now, if the Spirit leads us by creating desires to obey God, What does a faithful church look like when it comes to our resources? It's an obedient church, isn't it? And it's a generous church. What does it look like when it comes to our time? If the Spirit produces obedience walking by the spirit means that we are generous with our time and with our talents and our treasures and this is a hard subject and this is not the the beginning of the hey let's end the year strong kind of kind of spiel because this should be a year-long mentality that, man, I desire to walk by the Spirit. And that means in every way possible, I want to be obedient to God's commands. I, I want to be faithful to His way. I, in everything that I do, and everything that we do as a church, you heard Nathan say that one of the things, our goals, is that 50% of everything that comes in goes right back out. That's our goal. We're hitting probably about the 15% mark right now, which I think for a new church is really good, but I don't want to pat ourselves on the back because right there it becomes a, a work of the flesh because it's making much of me, making much of you. But for us to be obedient requires us to really look at these things, to be faithful, the more that we are following the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, I believe that there will be greater fruit in our personal, our marital, our relational, our corporate lives. Because we are making less of ourselves and making more of Jesus Christ. And some of you are going, is he, is he talking to me? I don't know. Is God saying something about how you are living? Because there's a certain obedience. If he is our commander, our chief, our, our savior, our Lord, our master, if we really believe that, there's a certain obedience that comes from that. Our lives are just overwhelmed 
by the grace that has been poured out to us. And therefore, we willingly are led by the Spirit. As the Spirit prompts in your head, hey, talk to that person. Love that person. Care for that person. What immediately goes on in your head is like, I don't have the skills, I don't have the... I don't, I don't know what to do, but the Spirit says, do it. Are you obedient? As a situation, a financial situation comes before you, do you go, man, I would much rather have my this or that, and if, if I give this, that will mean that it will affect that. But the Spirit keeps on pressing onto you. Are you willing to be obedient? Because that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Following the Spirit's leading and guiding in every aspect of our lives. We talked about that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is this all-encompassing, life-encompassing act of sanctification. Being more and more, made more and more like Jesus Christ. It's about obedience. Following after Him. Moving on. If we look at verse 19 and 24, we see, we'll find one more expression about what the, about the Spirit, which confirms and expands about this, this whole walking by the Spirit. In this section, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the works, with the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Now, some of this is, uh, it's easy for Christians to kind of do some justification because we start looking at the works of the flesh starting at verse 19. Just look at them. Now the works of the flesh are, are evident. Sexual immorality. Are you serious? I have no struggles with sexual immorality. I, I, don't, I don't watch porn. I don't, I'm not in the gay lesbian kind of thing. I'm not into this. I'm not into that. I'm sleeping only with my wife. I'm not sleeping with anybody else. Sexual immorality is far greater than that. Men, this is probably a huge struggle, if we're honest. Huge struggle. Impurity, sensuality, pretty broad things right there. Idolatry. Idolatry? We, immediately we think of what? Like this, uh, this wooden thing and we kind of do some chanting and incantations, right? Read Tim Keller's book where he talks about what is idolatry. Idolatry is, it can be your time, it can be your wife, it can be your child, it can be your money, your security, whatever, whatever it is that you worship. And God goes, really, you're worshiping that? Those things can fade away, but I am eternal. I am the author, the giver of life, and you are worshiping that? Look how quickly, with our recession, people's idolatry, people went into depression because what? Their jobs and their money and their houses and everything started folding in between, uh, falling down? That's idolatry. That's a work of the flesh. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. None of us struggle with that. Fits of anger. Oh, I know. I never struggle with that. 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions. The body of Christ never has those problems. That's why we got so many denominations. Uh, envy, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, I like how he ends it, and things like these. It's like, oh, that's the short list. You know the rest. You know, he, he just goes, okay, these are all works of the flesh and everything else out there. All these other things. You know, those thoughts that you have, those actions that you do, all those things, those are works of the flesh. That's all that stuff. But let me tell you, the opposing view, the opposing, the opposing thing is this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things is fruit from the Spirit. When you walk and are being led by the Spirit, these things naturally are produced. And this is beautiful and rich fruit. I love the first thing that is mentioned. But the fruit of the Spirit is, first thing, love. Love is the all-encompassing lifestyle of one who bears the fruit of the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, and walks by the Spirit. This is confirmed uh, if you go back to verse uh, 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. Love is, is this, the big fruit, the, the big blanket for everything else. Therefore, loving your neighbor and being led by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit is almost synonymous. Almost. But there's a crucial difference which should make us very grateful that Paul taught about the Holy Spirit because if all we were ever told is just love your neighbor, what would we do? We would immediately go in, or I know I would, we, I would immediately go into action mode, right? Okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. What do I do? Halloween. Love my neighbor? Walking tacos. Free walking tacos. Everyone, that's a great way to show love to my neighbors. Okay, another great way to love my neighbors. Uh, how can we love our neighbors? Love our neighbors, love our neighbors. Um, pumpkin carving. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's around fall kind of thing. You know, so naturally, what, what, I'm going to love my neighbors and I'm going to do these activities. I'm going to do these actions. They're, they're, they're just activities. If we are not taught properly about the fruit of the Spirit, very quickly, love gets turned into a work of the flesh. It gets turned into just this activity. Because if, if you remember back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, let me see if I could find it real quick. Here it is. If we give away all that I have and I deliver up all my body to be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is so critically important. This is 
extremely important for your life. It is possible to undertake the most sacrificial acts of giving imaginable. You can offer up your whole body to be as a sacrifice, and still it does not please God. You can be the most generous person with all your money, with all your talents, with all your time. You can be the biggest philanthropist, piss, whatever it is, that person who gives away money. You can be the most generous person in the world. And still that act means absolutely nothing to God. It does not please Him. You could cure cancer and still not please God. You can adopt all the children in the world, build a huge house, and still not please God. Why? Because what pleases God is walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. One of the greatest problems in our contemporary time is not learning the right things to do, but how to do the right things. The problem is not to discover what love looks like, but how to love by the Spirit. We need to learn to walk by the free and sovereign work of the Spirit. So what should we do? Very practically, is involved in obeying the command, walk by the Spirit. So there's five things. How do we walk by the Spirit? Five things. And it's going to, if you were here last week, it's going to sound similar. The first way to walk by the Spirit is first, we must acknowledge from our hearts that we are helpless. We are hopeless to do any good apart from the enablement of the Holy Spirit. We are hopeless. We're hopeless to do any real good apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 7.18, Paul says, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. In me, there's nothing good. In my flesh, there's nothing good. And I can do no good apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what did Jesus mean when he said in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. Apart from me and my work in my life and the spirit that I, I sent on to dwell within you, apart from me and the work of the spirit, you, you can do nothing. They're just acts of works of your flesh. They're just activities that you do. But there is something that we can do apart from Jesus. We can sin. We can sin. But that's all that we can do. So the first act of walking by the Spirit is admit the fact, admit this fact and let it, its devastating effect destroy our pride. Destroy our pride. Just say, Let it just kill the idea that I am good enough. I'm generous enough. I'm kind enough. I'm loving enough. 
And God goes, no, you're not. You're proud. You put yourself up on a pedestal. Your acts alone are worthless. Acknowledge that. Second thing, pray. Ezekiel 36 says that God will put spirit within us and cause us to walk according to His commandments, according to His ways. Pray that He will do it by His almighty power. Many of you know the moment and experience of having just this irresistible desire for sin in your life and how it has been overcome by this new and stronger desire for God. I've heard, as a pastor, I've heard stories when I was a youth pastor, stories of of high school kids coming to me and just saying, oh man, Vroom, I've struggled with this, but for some reason, I don't know why, I, I I don't struggle with that anymore. I don't struggle with this anymore. I don't struggle with that anymore. I don't struggle with... Well, why? Why? It's because God has given you a new heart. And His Spirit is causing you to be obedient. Where did that come from? Holy Spirit. Therefore, I want us to pray. I want us to pray hard like the writer in in Hebrews did, in Hebrews 13, where he says, Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do His will. Working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praying in such a way that God, would you work in me powerfully? Would you change my heart, change my mind, change my desires? Would you change me? Would you pray like like, uh, King David did in Psalm 51? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, change me. Praying that fervently. Because we all know what our, our, our works of the flesh are. And if you don't, ask your closest friend, ask your spouse, ask me. What that work of the flesh is. And, God, and just say, God, this is it. Change this. Create in me a clean heart. And pray for that. And they're simple prayers. They don't have to be long and extravagant. Just simple prayers. What do you mean that God changed me? I am selfish. I am controlling. I'm a jerk. I'm a gossip. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a tramp. I'm a... You fill in your blank. God created me a clean heart. God. Third step in walking by the Spirit in faith is we must believe that since we are under God's care and provision, under His influence, that sin will no longer 
have dominion or reign over us. We have got to trust that. And believers in Jesus Christ can pray with undoubting faith. Undoubting faith that God will do it through the work of sanctification. If you are a child of God, or you believe in your heart and you've confessed it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you are a child of God, you have a solid and unshakable promise that God will give you victory over those areas, those strong and powerful desires of the flesh. God will give you a victory in those areas of your life, whatever it is. But here's just one word of caution, okay? We cannot prejudge the timing of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you pray those prayers and you believe hard that God is going to be faithful and that there's going to be victory over that area of struggle and that area of that work of the flesh. And for some reason, like that, it's gone. And you go, I don't believe it. I don't struggle with lust anymore. I don't struggle with this anymore. It's a miracle. Why God is so good. And then there's the rest of you. You pray with the same fervor and the same belief. You pray in faith that God, would you remove this, this, the struggle of lust? Would you remove this, the sin of gossip? Would you remove this from me? And you pray and you pray. And for some reason, God doesn't remove it. And we don't know why. But we must remember that God in His timing, His perfect timing, and His process of sanctifying us does it perfectly. If anything, it should cause us more to be dependent on Him. To be led more by Him. To fall more in love with Him and trust Him more fully with our life. Number four. Number four is after you've acknowledged your helplessness, you've prayed for His enablement, you've trusted in Him for His deliverance, the next one is to act the way you know is right. And please notice that this is not step number one. It's not step number one. Action is not the first thing. Because if this were step number one, all of our actions would be works of the flesh, not fruit of the Spirit. Only after we've appealed to the Spirit's enablement and thrown ourselves confidently before God in His promises and His power do we now work with all of our might. We are told to work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. To work it out. We work out our salvation. We work out these things. It it is you and me saying, man, I, I am struggling with flesh. What am I doing? I'm struggling with lust. What do I do? Well, whatever happens, I've been praying to God and I still lust. Oh, well, I'm going to keep working on that. No. What do you do? You work it out. 
How do you do it? You enter into accountability relationships with brothers and sisters. You ent- Maybe if you struggle with lust, what do you do? You sign up for what's called covenant eyes. Because you, your biggest area of lust is on the internet. And you allow the church to help you. Maybe your thing is gossip. Maybe your thing is being divisive. And you say, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to be honest with me. If, I, if my lips are just starting to jabber away and I'm being divisive or I'm gossiping or I'm being proud and pompous, you need to hold me accountable. You need to encourage me to go back to the Word. You need to point out the Word of God in my life and just say, hey, have you read this? Because the fruits of the Spirit are not that. It sounds more like a work of the flesh. So we have got to work out. We have got to move into action only after we have submitted ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. Trusting fully that God will deliver us. We move to action. Even in you look, look at Paul, of all people, of all people, I, I look at like hero of the faith, and you'd think that this guy wrote most of the New Testament, most of the epistles, that he wouldn't struggle with anything. But look at this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Paul worked hard. He acted hard, relying fully on the grace of God. Paul worked hard. Though it wasn't I, but look at that, but the grace of God that's in me. (laughs) Again, he he points it back. This isn't the number one thing. If anything, this is number four. He prays. He he fully trusts. And he works hard. Recognizing that it's God in me working these things out. And the last thing. The final step. The final step in walking by the Spirit is to thank God for any virtue or any good deed, any gift of grace that has been performed. Because it's a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God, is a gift. Because without the Spirit, we can do nothing right our righteous deeds are nothing but rags filthy rags without the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives therefore we cannot just ask for his enablement but we must also thank him whenever we do it Immediately, God, you have helped me overcome this area of sexual immorality in my life. You've helped me overcome this issue of hoarding. 
hoarding my time, my talents, my treasures. You, you, God, you have helped me overcome. I thank you. Because that's a gift. If it was up to me, it'd be mine. All of it. If, if it was up to me, I would degrade every person because I want to make more of myself. But God, by your work, I'm finding a way to love them because I'm recognizing your love in me. Walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is critical for the church in mission. It's critical for our personal lives. It is critical. If we don't get this, we just as well close up our doors and go home. And say, hey, it's been a good four years. It's been a nice church. We've got a great website. If we don't get walking by the Spirit, if we don't live into this, all we're doing is works of the flesh. Do you hear me? If we don't get walking by the Spirit, corporately and individually, all we are doing as a church is works of the flesh. And God is our final judge. He knows the acts of our heart. He knows what is going on deep inside of us. If all we're doing is just good deeds, it's junk. I pray, I pray that we discover this. That it so makes us so terribly uncomfortable. Because God is revealing in our hearts areas of major flesh. And I pray that we, as, as we go before God and acknowledge God, I am just, I am full of junk. And we are honest with one another. We confess our sins. You know, that's, that's even in Scripture. We confess our sins to one another. That God will be true and forgive those and give us a heart of, a heart of flesh where His Spirit can lead us because we're finally sensitive to His work. We are so sensitive. A heart of stone is pretty hard. Things kind of bounce off. Heart of flesh it breaks you. It breaks you. I pray that our church is ruined by the grace of God. And in the same breath, I pray that our church is transformed by the grace of God. Time is 20 after. I want to hear thoughts. This is totally off script. I want to hear thoughts. Words of prophecy. 
What is it that God is placing on your heart now? For the church, for each other.